Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people, whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. In this episode, Nick Sherrod and Ian Montgomery of Label Sessions wrap up their time at this year's Collision Conference in Toronto, including their highlights, lowlights, and their tips for those interested in going next year. Over to Nick and Ian for the wrap-up. So we are recording this on a Sunday, so a few days after the official end of Collision. I'm yep. now back in the UK. You've now got the place to yourself. So you're delightfully jet-lagged, basically. Well, yeah, although it was just an, over- it's, it's just an overnight flight, so it's not quite as bad, I think. You're just generally tired, I think, tomorrow. <laughs> I think tomorrow it'll be okay. Although, weirdly, actually being in that in the kind of Collision sort of conference hall, it is weirdly kind of... Um, tiring because it's just like you wait it's one massive sort of cacophony of sounds every day uh it just takes a lot out of you i think it's not like the sunlight you have to pop out go to a food truck come back in again yeah and it was it's slightly apocalyptic this time with the kind of smoke in the in the sky from um from the forest fires elsewhere it was a it was a weird it's a weird sort of it's raining today though so the fire's getting put out it'll be fine that's good that's good i guess progress so uh, this was your first time at Collision, although you've been in Toronto for a while. So overall, what was your kind of um, your kind of take on it or your experience of it? I enjoyed. It. I popped along for a day back in a, an old life at the previous place. Um, I thought this was better, and I enjoyed it. It was it was it was big. It was busy. There were some interesting talks. Uh, a lot of people moaning about it. A lot of people saying, "Oh, it's not as good as it has been," but I don't know if that's just people. Um, so I enjoyed that. Um, really eclectic people. You know what we say about the supper clubs that you get like here's people that wouldn't necessarily be in the same room together in the same room together. That that was a good vibe. Yeah, you do there is this sort of cross industry thing that goes on. There definitely was quite a lot of negativity from people in Toronto about uh collision this year. Yeah. It seemed particular. I'm not sure whether it was maybe it was bigger in the past or whether it's just been more of them in Canada or events like that more recently or Or they just don't like foreigners coming here. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I would say it was a slightly more uh, like it was whether the downbeat is the right word, but it didn't feel. So the first day in particular did not feel quite as high, you know, high energy as some of those things like Web Summit and things sometimes sometimes feel. It kind of found its feet a bit better later on in the week, I think. But it's maybe just what's going on in Texas now is there's less kind of money swilling around and people and then sort of investors doing sort of faster deals. It's just a different different vibe. I thought that might be me. I thought that that vibe I'd just been I was low on energy the first day, but then I was talking to someone else and they were like, "It takes a day for people who work in tech to remember how to talk to other people." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there is definitely, definitely, definitely a bit of that. And I think also everybody's also saying the same thing, which is the theme of the conference and the theme of the exhibition floor was AI. Everybody was talking about AI and very little else, um, sort of, which is a contrast to all the talk of Web3 and such like last year. Although I think I was thinking about this in the flight home. It's kind of funny because it's quite easy to be cynical about everyone talking about AI, but AI is kind of a shorthand for... Uh, using tech to make things work smarter, which was always going to be where it went after the whole kind of putting things on screen, digital, you know, challenge, you know, challenge of the last few years. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely that whole like, oh, we'll just put everything in a bucket, bucket, and then call it AI. Yeah, and then everyone gets a bit funny about everyone talking about AI, but it's like 
the good AI talks are when people start by the granularity of here's what we can do with it that we couldn't, here's a previously impossible thing we couldn't do. Yeah. Where rather than being like, oh, we've done a thing and to make it interesting, let's just, that we'll call it AI. So let's, let, let's lead off on that into highlight of the conference. And I think uh, it's going to be quite different from the things we recommended at the start, which is probably, probably yeah. good. So, so, so um, highlights and lowlights. I've got a really boring one, but I think it was good boring, which is the McDonald's dude. I can't really pronounce his name, but he was called Manu Stijal. Like so the chief, chief customer officer of McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was really good in that he was the, the first one that broke away from the, the whole tech thing. It was really interesting because his family had been McDonald's franchise owners early on. So he'd sort of grown up with the restaurant brand. Okay. But like, as he talks it through, everything they've kind of done is like, you know, when just someone explains through their business decisions and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's quite smart and that makes sense. So there's yeah. no shock. There was no, or it was very much like, we make 65 million burgers a day and we do it really quite efficiently. But yeah. the things that have changed is like the pandemic came along and it meant you couldn't go and sit in a McDonald's restaurant. But they were already thinking about things like, in some markets, they already had delivery. Other markets, they didn't. They were playing around with like store footprints, store locations. I thought that was really, really interesting. If not having any sort of glossy, glamorous show title to go along with it. Um, I would have liked to have seen more people like that guy. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I think I, uh, also one of my highlights was, uh, actually was quite techy, but it was uh, Jeff Hinton. So he's always sort of branded as the godfather of AI. Uh talking about where we are at with it. And I saw, but one of the things that was interesting was kind of wandered into that talk a bit, but I was really struck by how willing he was to say how much he didn't understand and how much wasn't very easy to understand in terms of what's going on in the models just now. I thought that was quite an interesting, you know, p partly um, because you've got that whole theme with the rest of the event being so focused on, on AI and very much people trying to either sell their thesis or sell their product around AI, which is all fair enough. It was quite interesting to kind of, um, yeah, just talk about the scale of what we don't understand around it yet, which I think it's an interesting thing. Meanwhile, lots of people who don't, who probably weren't really born when he was making a name for himself for talking about how they'd solved AI. Yeah, so, there's definitely yeah. there's definitely a bit of a dynamic around that. Uh, actually, one of the other bits that was surprising to me was I actually thought some of the the kind of content creators um, sort of talks were quite interesting, just in terms mm -hmm. of where the traction is coming just now and how those behaviors are changing. And then actually also one of the things which was, uh, I didn't um, hold up that much, but I kind of wandered into the some of the talks from the founders of T2, who were the kind of breakaway group from Twitter. Uh, and it's just an interesting thing in terms of the way these things work. Actually, at the time, it was quite easy to dismiss in some ways some of the thinking they had around how you could build a community that would be uh, less angry and less negative than the kind of Twitter had become uh, by the time they left and certainly is now. Uh, but during it, they kind of um, accelerated people in the audience through the waitlist into the actual product. And it's interesting just playing around with Tech T2 just now. Uh, it is interesting that it's very early days and it's a small community, but the kind of features they've built and the way they've built that community does mean that whilst it's a kind of clone in some aspects of it, there is something much more positive on that site. So it was interesting in terms of when you hear someone speak on the stage, you can be, sometimes it's easier. But I think in that instance, it was easier to be a bit cynical about some of the claims they were making. But actually, if you went and looked at the product, you could see how some of it can um, does play out in there, in the experience of the, of the platform. And then two days later, Twitter starts doing tweet metering. And everyone complains about it, thinks it's down, but it's not actually down, allegedly. So it's a very timely moment for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of different social platforms suddenly kicking off, but that could be, they've got some um, some license to maybe, maybe one of the success stories. Did you know about them before you went, or did you just see it on the on the list? 
I um, no, I kind of uh, knew bits of the story, but I wasn't quite sure where they were at yet. So I didn't really know that much about it. Um, so so that was, that was kind of interesting. So that was very much the kind of ones that I wandered into, um, and uh, and I think especially because it was uh, there probably were more talks this time than I experienced before, which felt a bit more like sales pitches. So it was good when the people actually kind of had a bit more actual um, content in them. Yeah. If you're going to be on stage, I appreciate some of the pay for that access to be on stage, but like talk about something interesting. Don't go and sell me an AI picture creator thingy. Yeah, that's probably probably the case. Uh, so from highlights to lowlights, without just being mean about something in the table, but what were your kind of lowlights of we're gonna, the, of we're the gonna time? Do the, we're going to do the same thing. Let's just be mean about shit in. Yeah, that's true. But um, as citizens, I think that's fair enough. Because it was so basically for for anybody who goes and checks out the Sheehan talk because he seems to be something that he's taking on tour around the world. It was a talk that was supposedly around supply, the future of supply chains with an angle around sustainability, uh, which one was quite odd because it was a big hour long presentation and clearly one that he's taking on the tour around the world. And it's a you know sixty billion dollar company, um, but the talk was quite badly put amateurishly put together and um, but the main point at, at the core of it was that the the strategy was kind of unforgivable because the strategy really of what they're kind of saying is by 2050 we will be sustainable actually if you un, un go through the the strategy pillar they're only really saying in 2050 if the rest of the industry comes with us because we're not going to drive this by ourselves uh uh and until that point we just expect to be left alone and don't try and regulate us or or or, or kind of interfere with what we're doing. It was particularly impressive because he spent he did spend the first twenty minutes talking about how Sheehan's business model commercially to an accountant, their business model is phenomenal. It's yeah. put a few clothes that might be trendy on the internet, see how fast they sell if they sell fast, make a shed load more of them and make them cheap. That 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 isn't to an accountant who does not care about people in Bangladesh or the environment or something like that. That is phenomenal. But then just going from we make loads and loads of clothes that are really cheap and really unsustainable. It's been, we're going to be sustainable. That was, that was a bizarre little, little flex. Well, it, it is. And it's, I think it did. So just to make one link into the whole theme of the, of the conference as well, which was, you know, one of the things was how do you regulate AI and people sort of talking about the, uh, you know, the more potential for self-regulation, which I can see in certain angles, but actually one of the examples to look at is what's happened in fast fashion. And what is happening at fast fashion? And it just seemed to me that Sheen was that their story was it's an incredible story of innovation. And they're not fat in terms of how they've been able to generate demand and manage demand and rethink and re-engineer their whole process around where the demand is. But this that doing that has this terrible after effect. Um, and it's not a good answer to kind of go, hey, we kind of recognize that. We just think some of the rest of the industry is bad too, and we're going to work on it gradually. And by 2050, as if that's a kind of helpful date, we'll probably be a bit better. It just see, it just like it was a, um, it was an incredible uh, blind spot for them. Really, that they think that's a good that's a good thing to do. It's, it's only 27 years away. Yeah, exactly. That that, that man will be long retired by the time that comes around. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was uh, just kicking something down the road. Uh, but yeah, so I think that, was, that probably was both of our low lights in terms of the actual uh, content of the thing. There's a silver line to that one though, because at the end of his talk, and like just the, the every every single talk we went to, there was an applause at the end. People were very polite, very respectful, very Canadian, and applauded for them. At the end of his, maybe two people 
gave him a very gentle clap. I think it was quite transparent, but it is an interesting thing in terms of how you can do that kind of stakeholder messaging where on one level, there's a story, if you didn't go to the talk, there's a story which is, hey, Sheehan have got have been going around the world talking about their supply chain. You know, that sounds that sounds like that's being them being good and open. And you know, they've recently been t- taking some influences over to one of their individual factories in China. So, like, it's uh, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a danger that people are just going to see it as like, oh, they're kind of engaging, but actually, all they're really doing, if the example of of, of that talk was to believe, was kind of creating noise around the fact that there's a there's a problem there in their business model, yeah, and not not really dealing with it. Yeah, there was that. To me, that was a really, really weird one. But the guy that I flight to Toronto and probably had a nice dinner. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the other thing as well. Actually, Toronto is a nice place at one of these conferences. And actually, I obviously saw more of it because I was spending more time with you this week. But in terms of, it is, uh, it's an interesting city probably compared to other places where some of these big conferences are because you do kind of need to get out of the center and go to some of the yeah. neighborhoods and things. But it did does does function very well for a, a big it's event. It's a good like, host city. Yeah. Um, can I do before we do like advice for like can I do the weird one I don't know if it was a highlight or a low light but I really enjoyed it go for it it was the Anthony Scaramucci guy because I don't really yes. know why he was there I don't really know how a man who was in the press who was the press secretary for a president for about 9 or 10 days ended up being on stage at a tech conference but he was brilliant because he was just so blunt and direct like you, you go to these things and there's people who get asked questions and they can't really answer it how they want with their full personality this man obviously can because his mission at the moment is fix the Republican Party that's completely dysfunctional. But I don't really understand why he was on stage at a tech conference in Toronto for that. But he was, uh, he's an investor as well, right? So he was an investor before. But the way, it was a bit weird the way they kind of just, um, even the kind of the interviewer from, from the, the conference organizers just went straight into the politics of the situation. So it was quite, it was quite a kind of clickbaity framing of a, of a talk. But it was, a, it was an interesting thing to, to be there for. I mean, at the point when anyone just gets up and holds up the stool they were sat on and says, and this stool has more character, personality, and utility than someone I don't like, that that's attention-grabbing. That is definitely true. That is definitely true. So I guess leading into the advice station, so um, for if you were listening to this next year and you're thinking about going to, presuming it happens next year, um, but the uh, what advice would you have for someone looking to go to Collision to get a good experience of the, of the event? I mean, it, it could be Collision, it could be Web, Web Summit in whichever one of the three cities they host it. So I, I'm doubtful that Collision will come back to Toronto next year. Um, but the thing that was lovely for us is we had that booth on there. Like having a booth, and it wasn't, it didn't, didn't doesn't take a lot of effort to get one, doesn't cost a huge amount, but like having something where someone comes to you rather than you always having to go out is like, is a lovely thing. But if you're the person going around the booths, I think it's like that. Like I was saying earlier, the, the the ability to just say hello and talk to a stranger. We we met all sorts of weird and wonderful people on that on that little day, um, and it's just having that open mindedness to go have a chat with someone that may have no utility for what you are looking for, um, but it can be a very brief interaction. I think lots of people have got scared out of that because they feel like they're about to get sold to or they're worried they're going to sell to somebody. That would that honestly, that's, my advice is just like go up to people and say hello. Yeah, I think also it can be quite hard to do. I saw a lot of people, especially actually the attendees who were typically from bigger companies that were there, were kind of doing the kind of wandering through the exhibition floor, which is doubly hard at Collision compared to other places, even like Web Summit, because everything's in the one building. So it is everything's very kind of uh, 
uh, it's very hard to kind of wander along an aisle and like spot something, understand it, and then have a conversation about it. So I think you either have to, the app is actually really good for like um, finding information on the different companies that are there uh, and making it easy to reach out to people. And actually, that's one thing that was quite good about having everything in the same space was you could just kind of wander into the different startup pitch events, hear kind of like a, a snapshot of what's going on in an industry that you're interested in. And then from that, you're going to hear the people that you're interested in going and, and speaking more to and reaching out to. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good thing. I, I would also say it's like an advice thing, which is actually the, this, the point I find, which is, um, e even being a relatively extroverted person, it is quite, um, it does, it's quite draining energy wise doing it for three days. So I think there's definitely a thing around, uh, planning kind of activities outside the day that aren't about talking tech and stuff to people so you need to kind of replenish yourself a bit, I think. You were saying that at Web Summit in Lisbon, you have bars everywhere and there's bits of outside space, whereas Toronto, there was no alcohol, which not not being an advocate for everyone getting pissed. But like, I think having those spaces to go and mingle makes yeah, a big difference. I, I, I think it's definitely true. I mean, so my advice, I think, if, if uh, for the event organizers, if you like, in that one, was that the I think it, it is a more transactional uh, event than some others, which is partly, I don't want to be a bit always stereotypical, but I think it's more, I think uh, in North America, people are more comfortable with that. You kind of turn up and you kind of pitch yourself, that kind of stuff. But the, I think it's also partly a function of the, of the design because there isn't actually that much space to kind of uh, hang out and chat in the way that the space is designed. It's very much kind of um, conference hall, conference hall, conference hall, exhibition center, exhibition stands. Uh, so it is all quite kind of tradey focused, you know, yeah. trading focused. So there's actually less space that kind of people can kind of intermingle and talk about things. And I think especially, um, that's especially true in terms of getting more interaction outside the kind of founding teams and kind of, uh, sales and business teams, like in terms of there's less kind of space where you, you know, I overheard very few conversations between coders or designers this time, whereas at some of these events, you overhear a lot more of that. Um, but, but there wasn't really much space for it. There wasn't really much way of kind of like ending up at a table, having some food, having a drink, like you say, and then end up going, oh, we're actually doing something kind of similar. And two of the best that. conversations I had were out while I was outside grabbing food while you were on the booth or seeing another talk. Yeah. You, when you sat on a picnic bench and like the people knew me from stuff I'd done here, but people came over and said hello and I hadn't seen yeah. them for a long time. That was the only really real space you could do that. Um, the other really interesting thing was, did you notice the people coming around that were like hiding their batch? Yes, uh, they would spin their badge around because on all the badges it would say like alpha, beta, investor, yeah. attendee, and like investor is like a bad one because it's like every conversation is going to be like how can how can I get this person to give me money? Yes. Attendee is kind of like oh you've been given a ticket by your corporate employer. Um, beta is a weird one because you've actually got a more successful company, but you get a beta on your on your badge. Um, but like having that label to me makes having a conversation a bit weirder for people. So there were like certain people that were turning their badge around and kind of hiding it. Yeah. So they, they weren't being judged by who they were. I quite, I don't know, I don't know if that works, but I was intrigued by it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I think, uh, I think the other thing as well is that uh, one thing which is true for Web Summit and it's true for Collision is uh, why are all the names of the sages so weird? It's really hard to navigate through as a result. Uh, and I do think, um, like, kind of like you are saying before, there is something about how you kind of move these events on now, I think, is, because uh, they're still, you know, they're still really well put together for how big they are. But I think there is something that's kind of interesting now in terms of now there's more of them, which is almost is the challenge of their own success. Because it used to be that when you turned up to Web Summit, it was just the biggest thing that was like that. 
And now there's literally four web summits around the world, of which Collision is one, the one that has a different name. But uh, there is therefore a bit less, I think, the kind of pure event factor of those kind of mega events is reduced in a way. So it's then about going, okay, how do you get people to interact in a different way? Um, how do you make it? Uh, yeah, how, how, how do you kind of encourage some of the serendipity to happen in a way that it used to and maybe is a bit harder now? It'd be interesting next week when Matt, I think Max will be there as well at uh, uh, Madfest. Yeah. And they, they sell it as it's a sort of advertising festival in a car park. Yeah. Um, probably a very different vibe. Yeah, well, I think there's, there's a lot more of the smaller ones as well. And I think, uh, yes, exactly. So it's just, it's, just, it's just finding these different uh, finding these different aspects. It was interesting as well, just as a sort of indicator, there were a lot fewer sort of governments buying a stand uh. and promoting their ecosystem than there were in the past, uh, which is just an... And, and the ones that were there were kind of the more unusual tech hubs, if you like. So it was Kosovo or Pakistan rather than, uh, you know, some of the people that you've seen have big stands in the past. So there is probably like... A, uh, you know, it's probably time to sort of innovate the format a bit on some of these things. Much though, it is uh, it is still really interesting just to have these kind of you know titans of different aspects of the tech community be up on a stage and just be able to take questions from people. Yeah, yeah. although those, those country stands, like so, I've been to onto the Shanghai Expo, whatever it was, thirteen years ago. It's amazing, like huge, massive, brash statement of who our country is and where we're going and what we're good at. Yeah. Why is it when people set up stands for conferences at a, at a conference, it's always just a bit blur? Yeah, there's a, there's a need for better like country advertising, or or just actual uh, exhibition stands. And it's funny because I was doing working with so many branding B two B brands last year, and inevitably in whatever industry you're in, there's some kind of big industry event, uh, and it is just uh, I always think there's there's definitely an opportunity to do something bigger and bolder. Well, bolder anyway, but. Um, they're just such like complicated things to organize. By the time you take a team and it's always like last minute before you get the budget approved and then it's like, you then you got somebody who's just like, I can set up the stand like we did the last year or you can do this really high risk thing which you might all fall flat on your face. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, but it is, um, yeah, time to start doing something different with these things. But you're absolutely right. By the time you spent all the money on on the stand, you could have done something. Because it's really cool, yeah. yeah. Or just make a better stand anyway. Yeah. I don't I don't want to be negative. Let's not end on a negative note. No, no, definitely, definitely. I mean and, and as ever, you know, the biggest spend, the most successful thing that is that, that happens at any of these stands is Google offering free coffee. So that's probably also the key thing. I think next time we do this, though, we need to take your dog. After the after the lady you met who was um who'd made her dog into a mascot. So maybe that's what uh, maybe that's the note that we end on. Yeah, as I there were more dogs at this than any tech event I've been to before. That could be the other indicator. I mean, you've got cats, you can do, I mean, they're house cats, so they'd be terrified the entire time, but it'd be higher impact, maybe. That'd be like, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it reflects very well on your brand. Like, oh, did you meet him? Oh, I met Ian from Nibble Sessions. What was he like? Um, his cat slashed me in the face. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that could be, you know, it's high risk, high drama, though. You know, it attracts, <laughs> it attracts attention on the on stand. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, and also, you know, uh, some good recommendations for yep. Toronto in our time there. Enjoyed being at the baseball. Uh, lots of good food recommendations. And it's also, it's really strange because when he, when I've been to Toronto in the past, I've been there to do work stuff. So I've pretty much stayed in the center. And in the center, it's very much like lots of other North American cities. It's kind of like big high rises, lots of glass. Uh, you know, yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting architecture, but it's very much of the same type you see in different places. Once you step out into the neighborhoods, you realize quite what a green city it is and what a kind of um, 
spread out. Is great. I mean, after, after you well, tolerate spread, six months of winter, you really need a nice green space to go hang out in. So. Well, the one thing we should just call out is we had one of our label mates, uh, Project, with us. And uh, uh, one thing he also found was that uh, people are inability to pronounce his name um, on, on his, uh, when they just read it on his card was really frustrating. So that's also a need, I think, that we have for uh, to try and enable people with unusual names not to get their names so besmirched when they walk around a conference like this. You need phonetic spelling. I have the same problem. I get Lane all the time. So phonetic spelling with unnamed badges. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't realized this because you, because for those that don't know, so Ian spells his name the Scottish way with two eyes, but in North America, that just completely confuses the hell out of people. So, uh, so you've gone from quite a standard name here to a uh, sort of challenging name. I know. <laughs> you, go you need it with the accent, that makes you more interesting. <laughs> this turns into like a Monty Python sketch now, we don't know how to end it, so we just say thanks for listening and goodbye. Yep, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.